Welcome back to The Vibe. How's everyone doing out of quarantine? I hope amazing. This week's episode is about Pete Davidson and specifically his movie, The King of Staten Island. I'm not gonna lie, guys. I've tried to record this episode eight times, I think, already, and I keep catching myself not sad, but catching myself in moments of of feeling myself in this. So this time, I'm going to really try to go for it, and I'm going to give you all I've got. So what made me really want to share this episode on the day after Father's Day was that Pete Davidson and I both lost our fathers when we were very young. And we both lost our fathers very tragically. Pete lost his father at age 7 during 9-11, and I lost my dad at age 10 in a tragic car accident. I've always vibed with Pete. I think there's something, I think we both share something. We're both very open about mental, you know, mental illness and therapy and help. And we're both honest about pain and sensitivity. And, you know, we both are stoners. And I understand Pete's heart. I may not know him. I may not know his brain. I may not know anything. But when it comes to this and after watching this movie, I couldn't feel him more. So let's get started. I'm going to give you a synopsis and I'm going to go. I'm going to give you my moments that I felt such such power. So let's get started. In retrospect, it was probably just a matter of time before Judd Apatow and Pete Davidson found each other. Apatow is arguably our culture's genius who has made the most amazing films such as 40 year old virgin knocked up train wreck truly deeply just uh, he judd apatow really just crushes it in the movie scene i mean i don't think there's one movie that he's ever made that i don't love and davidson literally made a career being a resident young person on saturday night live So, of course, they made a movie together. And, of course, it's about an immature dude who can't seem to get his shit together. But built into the man-child narrative is the expectation that he at least tried to start to mature just a little bit sooner or later, lest he become a sad cautionary tale. The King of Staten Island, both Davidson and Apatow, try their best to evolve. With an uneven and and I'm so sorry. With an uneven and un, and entertaining results, written by Apatow and Davidson and Dave Sirius, the dramedy, <laughs> drama and comedy is so obviously inspired by Davidson's own life that knowing basic biographical information about him can make the story more confusing. I spend a large portion of the film wondering why Davidson's Scott would hide that his dad died in nine eleven only to realize that the king of Staten Island perhaps was realizing that invoking 9-11 would overwhelm an otherwise low-key, would overwhelm an otherwise low-key tale that has Scott, that, that Scott had a dad dying in a regular firehouse instead, which I completely understand. I completely get that. And I think that that was important for them to change the scene not change how his father passed, but to just change 
the big severity of it because you don't want to take away from the message that's coming from here. So instead of, we all know that his father passed away in 9-11, but in this movie, Pete Davidson, who is played by Scott, his father passed away in a house fire, saving people in a house fire. Even those who know nothing about Davidson, however, will recognize Scott as someone they've known or, or maybe still are. <clears throat> you know, and people could still feel that aimless 20-something waiting around in his childhood bedroom for either life or death to come in, which is really deep and dark, but it is the truth. You know how many people are still wondering in their mid-20s or 30s what they should be doing? This is something that a lot of people feel. While he has aspirations of becoming a tattoo artist, he spends his days with, some, with a lousy gang from high school hanging out in his lousy basement doing some, the same drugs and watching the same movies all the time. The King of Staten Island is most intriguing when it acknowledges the darkness eating away the edges of Scott's human shrug emoji persona. The film opens with Scott screwing his eyes shut while driving down a busy road daring the universe to do its worst. He literally closes his eyes and it's almost like he's hoping to die. And it's really, really scary. He talks frankly about his physical and mental health issues and deflects real grief with irreverent, irreverent, irreverent jokes. You know, he makes fun of his dad. And that, again, is his form of dealing with his grief. He uses comedy and that is a-okay. In those moments, the King of Staten Island feels like progress for Apatow, a willingness to dig deeper into the slacker archetype that he knows so well for being. But although the film is serious about Scott's emotional journey, this is less a comedy than a drama. Albeit one with some really solid jokes, it turns timid when it reaches some really jagged edges, sending them down to make Scott's story fit more into a standard mold of a layout who just needed to meet the right person to turn his life around. I think all of us can kind of have that. We've all kind of had a person who's made us see the world in a, in a different way. Just when you wonder if Apatow might have his eye on a bigger challenge, he steps to tackle a smaller one, more familiar one. For Davidson, on the other hand, the King of Staten Island feels like a showcase of potential of potential. Davidson's skills as an actor are very good, but not great. There are moments when he seems too in his own head. And there are moments when he seems really explosive. And I think what I loved about that was that it was just real, that he wasn't just acting, that he was being himself. What he does have is a personality, original enough to make him seem irreplaceable and irresistible and no matter how off-putting or obnoxious he acts Davidson remains fascinating to watch Scott again Davidson Scott I'm gonna go back and forth they're the same people can get pretty shitty the relationship at heart of this, the king of Staten Island is an antagonistic one as Pete and his mother's new boyfriend who's played by Bill Burr alternately try to tolerate each other and push each other out. The chief among Ray's sins to Scott is the fact that he is a firefighter, like his own late father. You don't need to be a therapist to see to see how this is going to stir up intense feelings, how 
you can only imagine. I mean, I can only imagine if someone did, if my mom started dating someone who was just like my dad and did the same exact thing, I would be fucking pissed. It would just be a feeling that you just, just an anger. It's all these emotions. Again, you have to remember, this is the first person his mom has dated. Apatow's never been one to resist the scenic route. So the film takes its time getting there. It's 137 minutes to be precise. Ray, Bill Burr, doesn't even appear until about half an hour in. And once it does, it takes another hour or so for the conflict between him and and Pete Davidson to boil over. In between, we drift through episodes with Scott's idiot friends, his disapproving sister, played by Maude Apatow, which I love, gotta love her so much, and his boring job. And some more essential than others, but we'll get into that. Thankfully, the final destination is worth the wait. The last stretch of the movie is the sharpest and the most bittersweet of them all. I mean, I was hysterically crying. As Scott starts to reckon with the man, with the man, with the man his dad really was, because when he was staying at the firehouse, he had so many, he heard so many stories about his dad. He starts to realize that he wants to be a better man himself. And the King of Staten Island leaves you with a lot of feelings, leaves you with this feeling of knowing that in a moment of grief, you can find hope in others. And the movie ends in a way that I personally loved. And it's Scott, it's Pete Davidson, Scott leaving Staten Island to go help one of his friends conquer one of her dreams and he comes to Manhattan and he I'll leave this till the end because I don't want to I don't want to mess anything up but that was just the gist of it so let me just paint the picture for how I saw the movie as we start off in Pete Davidson's basement, which I think a lot of us were hoping at, hoping would happen because we all hear about how Pete Davidson lives with his mom and he lives in his basement and he smokes a lot of pot and that is exactly what we got. Him in his basement with his boys and two girls smoking pot. And again, we all know Pete has mad tattoos, so they're in the basement and there's a new friend there and she asks about a certain date on his body and... It's the date of when his father passed. And this is a moment where we begin to start to see Pete Davidson, his comedy about his father's, about his dad passing away. And that's how he deals with his grief. And the friend feels so bad that she's like, oh my God, I did not mean to ask. And he's like, it's, everyone's like, it's so fine. It's so fine. And I understand. I fully, fully get that. I felt like that was an important thing to mention because that is how he deals with his grief is through comedy. So... The next part is he's hooking up with his... This part I found super interesting because he's hooking up with one of his home friends and they're having sex and she's asking him if he finished and he's like, no, I I, I actually didn't. And she was like, maybe it's the antidepressants. And they have a really real conversation about his mental health. And he mentions his mental issues to her like really openly and honestly and with no qualms. And I think that's really hard as someone who suffers from anxiety, I find myself getting anxious even having to tell someone that I have anxiety. So 
I loved him for this moment, for being real, for, you know, they're naked. They just had sex, and he's telling her that he may have not been able to finish because of his medication, and that's sad. So he wakes up, and we see his mom, which I loved, because I personally never get to see... I hear about Pete Davidson's mom, but I have no idea. I know as my from my own mom, who lost somebody she loved very, very much. She did remarry a couple years later, so it was a little different. So to see his mom, you know, for 17 years be single was a really interesting moment. Her life has been for her kids. So that morning they're waking up and it's his sister's graduation. Again, Maud Apatow is his sister. Love it. She plays the best best sister. She's just a great role. And, you know, she tells Pete that she really, 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 one, they're going to a graduation party and she's like, yo, don't smoke before the party, please. And please don't be a weirdo and sit in the corner. Love her for that. His mom also says, Please go in the in the garage, and I have sealed your dad's suits. Please find a suit to wear today. And he's like, I don't wear suits, mom. And he and his mom is like, you're gonna go wear a suit. So he goes into the garage, and he has this moment where he's smelling his dad's jackets, and it brought back a moment for me of feeling again. It's super sentimental and loving. And now we get to the party, and it's a really bougie party, like a really really bougie, super huge house this this it's his sister's best friend's house and the parents are making a toast and they're talking about the Davidsons and they're like your dad's looking down on you and (laughs) Pete's like no he's not no he's not no he's not and it's just like so funny that like you know I feel him on that do you know how many people have like said to me like that I don't know, I personally don't know and don't care for, have said, oh, you know your dad's looking down on you, and as appreciated as that is, it's like, if I don't know you, and if my dad didn't know you, let's just, like, reel it back for a second. So I felt him on that, because I've been that person many times. So then him, his sister, the next day is going to college, and she's driving out with her best friend, and she, again, you can tell that him and his sister have this vibe where they're not loving like, the way they hug and touch and whatnot, but they care so much about each other. And she says to him again, please, please, please take care of mom. Don't be hard on her. Hang out with her. Be there for her. And I related to this woman. I think my sister and I both, and my mom, all of us, we're family. We have to be there for each other in different times of need. And I understood this, and I don't expect a lot of people to understand it. So, and she also says to him, like, please be good for yourself. Like, I don't, I want to enjoy my college years. I don't want to always be worried. And she says to him, you know, like, I've been worried about you my whole life. And they have a little bit of an argument because he says to her, you know, you're really lucky you didn't know dad because you wouldn't be as fucked up as I am. And it is really sad because she was three when he passed and it's a different, it's just a different vibe. And it makes, I felt for him because there are many times when I talk to people and I'm like, you'll just never understand. And I don't want you to under, I don't want you to be as weird as I am because no one should, no one should feel this pain or grief at all whatsoever. So I thought that was a really important moment. And I appreciated him for saying that because 
his sister did have a little bit of a different life and maybe she worried about him, but she's off to college. She's going to do be a little bit different. He wasn't ready to do the certain things that she was. And maybe that's because he was closer to his father. <clears throat> there comes a moment where he's talking about his friends are talking about his time is just going by so fast, just going by so fast. And this is a quote I literally wrote down. Well, that's why I smoke weed all the time. It slows time down, you know? And I just thought that was so real and true. Like, there are definitely moments, again, as a stoner, where I'm like, I need to take a hit and I need to pause and I need to stop because there have been so many moments in my life where, you know, even when I think about my dad passing and now being, I was 10 and now I'm 29, I'm like, holy shit, what happened? What happened? I really just don't know. So I under that moment when he said that, that uh, little little moment I, I I felt that entirely so I mentioned this earlier but basically Pete wants to be a tattoo artist he ends up tattooing a nine-year-old awful idea the dad confronts his mom and really wonderful story but the dad the kid's dad is a firefighter and long story short the mom and the this kid's dad end up falling for each other and you know, this is the first time his mom's dated in 17 years. And his mom confronts him about dating, but she doesn't say who yet. And I had to quote this. He goes, why are you keeping it a secret, you little slut? I hope you're getting banged out really good. (laughs) And then when Pete finds out who it is, he's just so pissed off. And when he finds out that he's a fireman, he's really pissed off. And then Pete just has a fucking panic attack. He's missing his watch. He's freaking out that she's like with another firefighter. Like, how could she do that? And he gets deep about his dad and he has some really angry points. And he literally has a moment where he's pointing to his dad's shrine and he's like, why is this fucking here? If you're going to go date and you're going to go do X, Y, Z and blah, blah, blah. So it's, I had a moment for my own self and he just gets really upset and angry and I understood that. Listen, as someone who's had to see their mom date and move onward and forward, I was a little younger, so it was different, but it's not easy. So Pete is working at a restaurant. It's just as a busboy and he's waiting on his mom and Ray and Ray is kind of a douche in this moment, but he asks if the bread could be a little bit hotter. So Pete takes the bread back and he spits in the bread and literally makes a joke and to one of the other waiters and is like, can I put this, can I stuff this up my ass? And, and it was just a, like a, a really funny moment. You know, you just don't want your mom to like this date. So then his mom goes to the bathroom and the Pete, the Pete, the date asks uh, Pete for some alone time and Pete's not here for it. And basically Ray asks Pete to go to a baseball game and he doesn't want to, but he ends up going and the baseball game does not go well. It's Pete and Ray with a bunch of firefighters and they're talking about it all and they get into an argument and basically Pete's asking them if they're all fathers and he tells them he thinks if that if they want to be firefighters they should not have kids because his dad died so suddenly his and his life changed forever so why would you want to be a firefighter and put your life at risk if you can't be there for your kids and obviously this is a bigger picture we could all die walking across the street or driving a car or whatever it may be but you know this is a moment for him where he's feeling really deep down and his anger is coming from a deep place of you know 
probably not wanting other kids to do it and also seeing that Ray has two kids and that he wants him to be there for his kids. So I just have to say, his mom really wants him to gain a sense of responsibility. So in that, while working at the restaurant, now his mom has asked and Ray has asked if he would watch his kids and walk them to school. Pete's not about this, but let me tell you, Pete with the kids is my favorite. Like him walking the kids to school is so fucking cute and adorable and he's so sweet and encouraging and loving and listening to the daughter sing and you know he says this quote and he's like I hope it's not shitty and give your sister a kiss goodbye and he goes we don't do that and Pete's like well you never know if she's gonna die so go give her a kiss and so they do and it was one of those moments that again it may be crass it may be way too like absurd and harsh but it's the truth like I too fall into a trap of getting upset or angry or not even noticing that I'm not giving every goodbye is a meaningful goodbye. (laughs) So then we get to, as I mentioned, Pete wants to be a tattoo artist. So he goes to this tattoo shop. And again, we get so many good cameos. So we have Machine Gun Kelly who owns a tattoo shop and I love their friendship. And Machine Gun Kelly is just a super dick to him. And he's basically like, if you want to work here, you're not getting paid. You're never going to get a job with those with those illustrations you're making. And it's just, again, in this movie, it's all of his biggest supporters are in it. And I just love that so much. Again, we have Buscemi. It's just great. Again, I think Pete Davidson is the first person who we all said had big dig energy, right? And in this movie, you feel that with the way he is with kids, like... He has the BDE energy no matter what. And you know what? Peter's super blunt and tries to take every warm moment and like be hard and insensitive because ultimately he's so sensitive and let's be honest, reverse psychology here. So all the, when I say that he's super blunt and takes every warm moment and takes it and makes it hard, that's because that's how he deals with his grief. So he now goes to visit his sister in college and he actually has a great time. They blaze together. They're having an awesome time. He actually feels like he could like fit in kind of a little bit and they have a really good moment together and they're talking about their mom and their dating and he's saying to his sister, you know, mom needs to peruse the dick a little bit and his sister's like, no, mom's happy. Like, no, mom is mom's happy. Like, let her be happy. So I also wanted to mention something about music. We have a lot of Kid Cudi, and as you know, Kid Cudi's one of his best friends. And we have a lot of really dope fashion moments. I mean, he's wearing the Wu-Tang signature yellow shirt. He is wearing a Nas shirt. Um, I could go deep into, like, the clothing that he's wearing, but I just wanted to mention music and... You know, he, it's not just rap music, he has orchestras, he has a lot of things, and there comes a moment where he meets Bill Burr, Ray's ex-wife, and he really wants to get the dirt on him, and, you know, honestly, break him and his, break Bill Burr and his mom up, and the best is that she tells him all these bad stories, and she goes, but you know what, that big, thick cock kept me there for eight years, (laughs) 
<laughs> and again, I love that he's repping the Wu-Tang shirt. Again, it's, it's something that's really sentimental to me and important for everyone, again, to listen to. He clearly vibes with it. I vibe with it. Nonviolence, that is who we are. So then we get to a sentimental moment where he gets kicked out and he doesn't know where to go. So he goes to the firehouse, FDNY, and he really bonds with with everyone there. I almost feel like this was the closure that he needed with his dad to understand what he didn't know. You know, he was only seven when his dad passed away. It was a familial moment for sure. Familial, not familiar people. There's lots of love. And again, it was the family he needed. A piece of his dad that he was missing. And guys, duh, he's smoking a lot in this movie. But I feel like that's just self-explanatory. So we're back to the FDNY. And it becomes so, again, family-like. They're playing pranks on him. They're teaching him a lot. And, you know, in this moment, you just see with him working at the firehouse, with him walking the kids, with him being super supportive of their dreams of... You know, they can do whatever they want. You see him growing up and you see him becoming a man and you see him becoming respectful of things. And him and Ray actually form a relationship and without their mom fully, they Ray, Ray trusts him enough to allow him to tattoo on his body and This is one of those moments where when you watch this, and I hope you do, you see how different it is for him. So why I'm going to come back to the tattoos is because I'm about to like cry. So Pete... And his mom and Ray all see each other again. And well, they they actually go to the hospital because uh there there's a fate there's something happens and it doesn't have to do with them. They go to the hospital and they see the mom. The mom is helping them, and the mom Pete's mom is like Ray. You need to take your shirt off. Like you have blood everywhere. And he takes his shirt off and he sees his back and he she sees his back and it's fully tattooed and. She looks at Pete and she was like, Pete, did you get his consent to do this? And Pete's like, yeah. And then on his back, there's tattoos of Ray's family, of Pete's family, of his sister graduating, of all these symbolic moments of his dad being a Ray of son of the FDNY. It's just a really deep moment. And I'm sorry, I'm holding myself back from crying. They... they they have this sincere moment of all three of them bonding, you know, Ray, him and his mom and all showing sincere care for someone besides themselves for this guy who got hurt and he was totally okay. Pete and his mom finally hang out at his house and talk about the fireman telling him stories and that his dad was crazy and did drugs, but he was amazing. And his mom says, (laughs) did I really love watching cartoons no but he was tripping all the time so I had to Pete feels like knowing his dad was complicated Pete feels like knowing who his dad was helped him understand himself more and you know he's you know for 21 years of his life he's been confused with who he is and 
he has this moment with his mother where he says, you know, I never really say this to you, but I really, I really miss dad. And I cried so hard. I don't know if it was just so many years of suppression. I have no idea. Um, But it was in that moment and they they bonded and I texted my mom after that and I was like you know we uh, we also try to do the same thing that they did and not not find ourselves in those moments of being upset and sad but that opened the conversation up for my mom and I which was really really nice and we had a little talk about my own father and then the movie comes to an end when he leaves the city finally to go help his best friend go they literally go to Manhattan Center Street the courthouse and he wants to go help her pursue her dream and he's waiting outside for her and it ends in an amazing way with the song Pursuit of Happiness by Kid Cudi and he's just staring into the sky and I think for me that symbolizes the endless possibilities and the fact that his dad is looking down on him and you know, at the end of the movie, again, this made me cry so hard, but the movie is dedicated to his father, Scott, which is who Pete Davidson played in the movie. And, you know, I, all I can say is I've read so many reviews about this movie. Amazing, bad, good, whatever. For me, this movie was one that I think everybody should watch. It goes, it talks, it goes into mental health, sex, to you know, parents not being together to that redating world to you finally realizing how you should date and be there for your friends and your family and digging deep into finding out who you are and maybe why you are the way you are. And Pete does a really good job and so does Judd, I'm sure every Judd Apatel, I'm sure everyone, you know, all of these supporters made this into such a great film and wrapped it up so perfectly and Again, I I felt compelled to have this be a podcast episode because I know it's not just for us who have lost our dads. It's for those who have lost anybody, your sister, your brother, your parent, your dad, your mom, your grandpa, anybody. There is a feeling. It doesn't matter if it's your dad, if it's your mom, whoever you are closest to. If you're ever feeling any mental angst or if you're ever confused or if you're ever thinking to yourself, why am I the way that I am? Just to know that, like, I think, I deeply, I don't know, Pete, I think he put this out there so that people could feel and understand that you're not alone. You're not. And we can find comedic relief. And we can also have serious moments with our parents and say that we miss the way that things were, but also be appreciative. And I think we all you know, have moments where we need to dig deep and almost be kicked out of the house and see what things are like without all of those comforts. And I think that's what he had. And I'm, I loved the way that they wrapped this movie up because it gave Pete that closure. And listen, I'm not saying closure forever, but it gave him an understanding of his father that he never knew. And it gave him an understanding of himself and, you know, I was saying to my mom what I would do to be able to talk to some of my dad's friends and just hear stories and, you know, I'm so far removed at this point from that, but what I would do to just even smell a t-shirt or 
you know, hear about my dad being crazy at parties or anything, just anything besides besides the few memories I have. And I think, you know, this being the day after Father's Day, it was super important for me. And I want to, you know, as he dedicated this to his father, I want to dedicate this podcast episode to my dad because actually I want to dedicate it to my mom and my dad because my mom has always played mother and father and my dad I know would have been the most amazing father and same with Pete's dad and I know they're up there they're smoking blunts together and watching us together and I I I know that, and I know that when he the ending when he's looking up to the sky, I feel that all the time. I look up all the time, and I'm like, I have faith. I even think that's why I converted to Judaism because I finally feel a deeper connected than I ever did before. And I just hope you all watch this movie, and I hope you can see it from the lens that I did because a lot of people did not. And they looked at it from just a comedic standpoint. And I think it goes so much deeper. Again, mental health issues. Being honest with your sexual partner that maybe, you know, you're not able to perform because of certain things that are going on mentally in your mind. You know, having single parents and them them reassimilating back into the dating world. You know, yourself not having changed for seven years because you're just can't get over your father passing I think these are all things that are relevant in today's world and I love Judd Apatow and I love Pete Davidson for putting this out there and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and can feel some heart warming love in this and I hope that what I want to take away from this too is that Pete has received so much negative press, like so much negative press that I hope people see this and see the work that he did and recognize that, wow, this kid is talented. He took his time with with showing the world what he's capable of or giving the world a taste of his life. And I hope that now people can change his narrative a little bit. And even himself, I think he has changed his narrative, but I hope that People can see that the loving side, the side of him that is a deep lover of humans, going to be an amazing dad, going to be an amazing husband. Um, I look forward to seeing what he has coming up next. And I loved, loved this movie. So The King of Staten Island, Pete Davidson, great film. I loved it. I caught myself crying a lot. And I hope many of you can see it in the lens that I did. And... I hate to say this, actually I don't hate to say this, but the song Pete Davidson by AG is still one of my favorites and I hope all of you can listen to those lyrics and just remember that at one point someone totally felt that way about him and people still feel that way about him and he's a great soul and again I'm dedicating this episode to my mom and my dad, Uh, dad I miss you so very much and Mom, you're the best mom and dad that there could be. And to anyone else who's missing their parents right now or their families or anything, whether they're deceased or not, I'm here for you. I love you and my heart is with you. And I hope you can find some solace just like I did in watching this film and knowing that we're all here in this mental space and we can all be of light and support and put our, you know, own insecurities and selves out there to be better and I firmly believe that we can
with that being said, I hope we're all continuing to sign those petitions to do the work. And I hope that you've been enjoying my, I hope you enjoyed my live with Chalet Baptiste. And I can, I, I plan to continue to have these conversations. And in that, I also plan to make sure that we stay mentally well. I want you to check in on yourself. I want you to make sure that you're feeling good and okay. And just remember, we're all in this together. You know, even in this movie, you notice that there's so much support. So let's be more supportive to each other. Let's be kinder. I hope you guys really like this movie as much as I did. I hope you see all the amazing points of mental health, of love, of family, of loss, of grief. And we can all come together and see Pete Davidson for who he is, which is a really good guy who's struggled just as many of us have and deserves to be recognized for his talents not for his relationships and that's where I want to leave that because I feel that was a very strong point so Pete Davidson I love you great film Judd Apatow great film I urge everyone to watch it King of Staten Island mad love for every part of this pursuit of happiness people go listen to that right now by Kid Cudi